Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear me, Jenny Scholick, in conversation with principal dancer Sophianne Silv. This episode was recorded on Friday, May 10th, 2019, before a performance of Alexei Rutmansky's Shostakovich trilogy. Hope you enjoy. So, with no further ado, I'll introduce Sophianne, who joined the company as a principal dancer in 2008 after a career with New York City Ballet and Dutch National, among others. So, welcome. Thank you very much. So, I think many uh, audience members probably know you already, although we call this Meet the Artist. But I will uh, take it back all the way to the beginning. Um, Can you just tell us a little bit about how you first got into ballet? Right. So um, I was probably about four or five. I was dropped into a ballet studio by my grandmother um, back in south of France in Nice. Um, my first job offer, I was 14 years old, moved to Germany, then went to Holland at age 15 and a half. Um, what do they call that? Baby ballerina? Baby ballerina. Right. And then, um, well, well, something like 11 years there. Then I got invited to join the New York City Ballet while I was guesting with English National and Hong Kong Ballet and then with Amsterdam as well. And then I joined this company as a principal dancer and teacher of the faculty. What drew you to San Francisco Ballet? You danced in so many major companies. Of course, we are as well. But, you know, yeah. what brought you here? Well, I wanted to, um, after New York, I wanted to go back to a rep that was a little bit more varied than Jerry and Mr. B. Um, And San Francisco was really the only place. And I also wanted to teach full-time, or at least as much as possible. And um, Helgi was very uh, welcoming the idea, so that was the deal. Can you talk a little bit about teaching? You know, you said you wanted to teach full-time. Well, education is a big part of... Um, I mean, dancing is obviously my first passion, uh, but education is the second. And I felt like to be a good teacher, it takes time. And I didn't want to be retiring, going, you know, I'm going to go into the teaching. I wanted to be able to do that at the same time. And I think by teaching others, it takes away from you for a second, meaning you, you get a break from yourself and looking at yourself in the mirror which is very, very helpful at this point. Um, And it it also informs your dancing. Um, I also worked very closely with Lola when she was still the director. Um, And I work very closely now now with Patrick. And I really, really follow the vision in every possible way. And the way we also outreach to other you know, like access with Michael Brew, uh, Mark Brew, sorry. So, yeah, I I feel like it's part of the other thing I want to do. I like the idea of understanding what it takes to be a good teacher, what it takes to be a good dancer, what it takes to do to do a good job as a ballet master, because that's what an organization takes to be at a worldwide level. And um, yeah, I think down the road, I'd like to be an, a director of a school or a company. So I felt like I needed to do all this to have that knowledge. Can you put your finger on um, some of the things that teaching has brought to your own dancing? Anything in particular? Yeah, I think um, I find myself teaching where I actually, I never actually sit down, so I walk around the room and I guess my eyes become very attuned to body alignment, which is something I really concentrate on, which is placement and I, 
I would say that is what saves dancers. If you want to have a long career, it's obviously your training as, as a kid, but it's also how do you maintain that throughout the years to not just keep going, but also get better while aging. So the ratio is, you know, try to balance all that. So I find that the teaching has helped me understand the body in a better way and helps me today still. And, you know, I'm 102. I just look very good for my age, but I've had a really long career. I know I look very good for 102. Um, But at least, you know, I I, I count a ballet career as dog years. So, you know, I'm like, you know, the fourth senior leaving at this point and I'm still going on strong. So it, it does work. So you've been with us since 2008. So it's 11 seasons now. Right. And you've been teaching in the school that long. Yeah. I mean, that was, I, I wanted to come as a dancer and as a teacher. So from the first day I was on the roster of both places. Yes. So you must have a lot of students who you now dance with in so the company. You, yeah, so it's really funny because I go around the country a little bit also because I do fittings for punches on measurements for repetto. And so every time I walk into a company and I watch class or I teach class for whatever reason, there's always a kid that I've, I've taught at some point. So I feel like a little bit like Mama Bear. Says that everybody's coming up to you, goes, oh, it's so nice to see you. And so, yeah, at this point, um, pretty much everywhere I've been, there is somebody dancing in a company, which makes me very happy. Meaning that they've been able to go through the curriculum of San Francisco Ballet School and either came to San Francisco and they're on this stage, or they've been off somewhere else and are doing what they wanted to do. So, yeah, it feels very good. So I do want to um, turn our attention a little bit tonight to the Shostakovich Trilogy yes. and Alexei Rutmansky. Um, I believe you worked with Rutmansky at New York City Ballet before coming here, yes? Yes, he was, that was the first time we met, actually. Can you tell us um, a little bit about what he's like as a choreographer, what you enjoy about his work? For sure. So, um, well, Alexei is Russian, but has danced in Denmark, danced in many places, was also the director of the ball show eventually. But um, so the first time we, we met, we did the Russian seasons at New York City Ballet for the Diamond Project. And we were doing, I don't know, 30 ballets that season. So all those rehearsals were like extra overtime, you name it, we had it. Um, but I do remember that as demanding as it was, because uh, Alexei is very clear, he's very musical. Um, and he has a way of showing step that you try to imitate and, you know, you try to get as close as you can <laughs> with what you have. Um, and I've always enjoyed his spirit. He's always wonderfully um, respectful, meaning like even he knows you've had like that five ballets that day, you're dancing that night and it's your in-between time. And then uh, when I joined this company, we did... We did Russian season, we did From Foreign Lands, we did Seven Sonatas from him, we did Piano, um, and I think we're getting a new one for next year, so I'm very excited to actually um, get to have him again. I'm I'm sad he couldn't make it because he's doing this piece with uh, American Ballet Theater right now, so he couldn't come over, but he's definitely one of those choreographers that you look forward to have time in the studio with because he will make you better. Yeah, he's working on a new ballet called The Seasons right now at American Ballet Theater, and it's a co-production with us. So we'll see it here in 
Sometime March, next year. Maybe. <laughs> Sometime next year. Sometime next year. I have not fully committed next season's season to memory. Yeah, yet. no, there's the whole nutcracker before that. So there's a whole nutcracker <laughs> and a Cinderella and a variety yeah. of other things, but next year. Um, so Shostakovich trilogy specifically, you dance in the piano concerto. Yes. Can you tell us, just sort of give us a gloss on what that ballet is and what people So expect? I think unlike chamber and symphony, that one doesn't have a story per se. We make up the story as we go. Um, but it's obviously um, tainted by Russian history. I mean, persecution, um, the world over you, the shadows, the empty apartment. So we have all those expressions about where we pick up choreography in the choreography of the, of the piece. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of weight into that, which goes with the history and where it's coming from. I mean, if anybody has been in Russia, you'll, you'll, you'll get that full spectrum tonight. Um. Piano Concerto has two main couples. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what the relationship between those two couples is? So I see it that um, my part is the, we are obviously the the taller people, uh, probably the more established, more, um, I would say, mature couple, couple. And the other couple is the younger love, in a way, and a little bit more fiery. You know, when you argue a lot, you try to... (laughs) get to understand the other person, which takes a long time. Um, And eventually we have moments where we meet up and then there's always this very um, ethereal, I find that whole um, double duo that we called at the end of of the first movement quite, quite special. And there's not many choreographers that come up with double duos like that, where all of a sudden you have two different personalities and then they get together and become this one unison and that music is just i mean for me the music alone is 99.9 percent of my performance and the fact that we have these guys down there i'm like you know my my life is good (laughs) you know well that takes me to what i wanted to ask about next which is the music shostakovich Mm -hmm. um obviously one of the most important choreographers of the sorry composers of the 20th century um, not as much known for making music for ballet, although he did, but Ramonsky works with him quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I wondered what it's like to dance to Shostakovich's music. Is he someone you've danced to quite a bit or not? Do you listen to it outside of mm, not, not much, because as you say, it's not usually the, the music that's been picked by choreographers, and that's why I think the choice of Alexei to go for that is um, intriguing as well. And... I find it a little bit more subtle in, in terms of the melo- melodies of um, Shostakovich. And all of it is, there's a rhythm and there's an inner rhythm that you can see in the choreography. And if you actually, if you're able to look at, obviously, the principles when they're in the front, but you also see the chord about in the back, it's very uh, structured. Everybody has steps on music and it's, it's very logical, it's very musical. In that way, it reminds me a lot of Mr. Balanchine. Um, and I love musicality. For me, that's something when I teach, when people are off the music, just drives me a little nuts. It's like it just, you know, rubs me the wrong way. It's like there's, you can play with the music. I mean, there's, you know, variation you can push, but it's got to be on the music. And I think Alexei is very, very musical. And in this evening, I mean, there's not one step that's out of the music. Um, we did this ballet f- Five years ago, right. first. What's it like returning to a ballet? 
you know, after you've, you've done it, you've performed it, you've sort of put it to bed for a couple of years and you come back. How does it feel different the second time around? Well, I think this time, because I have a different partner, it was kind of rediscovering the part together. So a lot has, if I dance with somebody, for me, it's always finding that unison with that person. Because for me, dancing together with somebody else has to be a conversation with the two of us. So this was definitely a different process this time. When it comes to taking a ballet that you've done, I always think of it as like a great piece of fashion that you own. And you're like, I'm, I'm just going to wear that again. And you still put it back on and you're like, yeah, that was good. That was a good buy. <laughs> so, and then you explore and with whatever the years or whatever is going on that day, you'll just put the accessoire with it. But for me, it's always going back into something that you, you know you're going to have for a long time. And Alexei definitely makes ballets that you do want to go back to also because you grow into them. So you said you have a new partner. When you yes. have a new partner in a ballet like this, or any ballet, how do you sort of start working on that partnership? Do you start with video? Do you start with the ballet master? Do you start in the studio? What does that process look like for you? Well, again, depends on the person. Uh, in this instance, Carlo is very fast, so he basically knew everything, including my part. <laughs> he can actually do my solo. In case something happens, he's ready. But uh, <laughs> it's just different, you know. I'll just give him my shoes and he's ready to go. But uh, so this was very easy. So basically we only had like a couple of rehearsals to put it together and then just do spacing because obviously you don't want to run into people. And then we just went for it pretty much. So it wasn't a long, long process. But again, it depends if uh, people know the choreography, if they don't. So that takes a little bit more time. And this time the music is fairly easy to hear. It's not like a Stravinsky where you have to hear silence and no notes or and be together with the rest of the of the course so so it's not the music but are there some particular challenges of this ballet things that well there's always if you've done the part and somebody hasn't you always have also the feelings that you've had with the person you've done it before or your habits or and then I think you know um, the trilogy has been set in so many companies that I think it has evolved from the five years ago we've done it so there's also um, information that we've gotten like now he really would like to have this so you have to implement all that so you still rediscover the bulk of it is there but you still have to rediscover um, what it is that he wants today and then make it work with the other couple which that's a whole other layer for me that I find very important. So we're taking this ballet to London. Yes. You're closing the season here with this ballet and opening our couple weeks in London with it. Um, are you excited for that tour? And what do you enjoy about touring with the company? Well, I think touring is important, meaning it's nice to meet a diff different audience. Um, I have very special memories in London because I've performed there quite a bit with English National. Um, I danced uh, Swan Lake in the round at Albert Hall, and actually Martin was conducting for whatever reason. And funny, the orchestra... start there. Yeah, and it's funny because the orchestra is in the back, but it's a round stage, so you know, the front is always the front. I mean, it's, it's a weird thing, and I think Chris Wilden is doing... Cinderella yes. for English National as we speak. So I have very fond memories of um, London. I think it's a great town. And I think Sadler's Wells has a really um, eclectic choice of programming. So I, f I feel like we, uh, with the whole 
Brexit, like we don't even want to get into that because I mean they're still talking, right? It's been like how many years? But at least we go there and we're gonna have the, the trilogy, uh, a lot of the unbound stuff. So, yeah, I feel proud to be. Um, what should I call myself? I guess I have a French passport, but a citizen of the world, working in San Francisco, going to London and doing my craft. So I'm very proud of that. So I'm going to open up audience questions for Sofiane in just a minute after I get my last question in. Um, I always like to ask, when you're not in this building or in the building across the street teaching and dancing, what are you up to? What are some of your favorite things to do? Well, I wish they were longer than 24 hours a day, but um, I'm very, very um, passionate about animal rights, so I try to do a lot of work on my free time with a bunch of charities from Sanctuary, PETA, Sea Shepherd. I just wish I had more time to actually do more physically, but for now, that's what it is. So that's my first thing outside of the ballet. Uh, on the fun stuff, I like racing, um, pretty much taking my girls for a long walk on the beach. Can you tell us about your girls a little My bit? girls, my little mini Dexies. Uh, yeah, they're wonderful. They're three years old now. I have a wire uh, hair uh, mini and long hair. And they basically they're basically adorable. Yeah, barking a lot. It's like opera season at all times. But they, um, yeah, I mean, I have these guys and I have uh, three magnificent reptiles at home. So my life is uh, busy. Yeah. All right. We have a few minutes for questions. Yes, in the back there. Do speak up and I'll repeat the question. So I'll just repeat it. The question is, uh, Sofiane mentioned that she might like to be an artistic director someday. And if she has any thoughts on what should like that company to look like or what the rep might be for it. Well, I'm a very passionate classical dancer, so I think I would like to have the classics for sure. I also think it keeps the dancers in shape. It keeps them um, going to what we were trained for. I'd, I'd love to keep the contemporary going. I'd love to explore new voices. And I'd like to see a little bit more of bridging with other organizations, whether it's music, photography, lighting designers or architecture even um so bridging that those forms a little bit more as workshops and maybe also creating you know what we call um, black boxes where you can also have young dancers like we do that for the school for instance they have a choreographic institute of sorts where they have an assignment to make a ballet and i think that it's a really good exercise and so I would love to implement a company that feeds a school and vice versa that would also feed the community around us, wherever that may be. So that's how I see it. Yes, right here. So the question is, what makes a student stand out to you when you're teaching? Well, it, this is a, it's an interesting question because... Talent, it's like, what shall I call that? It's like a rare diamond. And you can have a room full of like, let's just say 200 people. And then you'll place them at the bar and you'll give the first exercise and you'll see people the way they stand before they even move. And you know already who they are. It's, it's kind of staggering. It's almost that 
it's almost like you, you, you are born with the talent, and then eventually when you have the right people in the front, it will actually become that real diamond. But you don't have those a lot. So, um, yeah, it takes, it takes time, patience, and it also takes a good eye to look at people and be able to distinguish. But it's, in, in my sense, it's, very, it's, it's actually very easy. And, and funny enough, if you go around the world, the way people place themselves at the bar, you actually know where they come from. You can see the Russian school, you can see the French school, you can see the Italian school, you can see the American school. It's, um, it's really intriguing that way. But, um, yeah, at this point, I, I see people walking, and I'm like, I know where you come from. <laughs> yeah. It's better than the, what is it, like those things you do at the airport, you know, like you have to give your fingerprints. It's like, I could work for the government. I know where you come from. So the question is, you started as a professional at 14, and did you have a parent with you? Were you able to finish your schooling? What did that look like? Yeah, so I was homeschooled at age 11. So I've been doing school at home for a long time, and when I was 14, my grandmother and my dog moved together to Germany. So the whole, we schlepped everybody. And I finished high school, got my degree, then started college, and then did a couple years of that. And then I was already a principal in Amsterdam. And I was like, I don't think I can keep doing all this. So that's the only thing that's been left hanging. Um, But yeah, you do need a parent in Europe. You can't work um, under the age of 18 unless you have parental um, permission. And before we went, I had uh, psychological tests, physical tests, just to make sure that I was not nuts. My grandmother was a nuts. So, you know, they, they, they made sure we, you know, we passed all those, you know, tests before we went. And here we were. If, if you had a student with the option to become a professional at that age, would you... Oh God, no. I, mean, I think the value of having time to grow up is so important. I think I was just a rare case where it happened and it worked out. But it wouldn't be my recommendation. I also find that in this day and age, we have so many options with technology that just even being focused to... I mean, for me, ballet was the only thing I wanted to do because that's what was available or my book. I mean, I remember payphones, right? You guys remember payphones. I mean, you say that today to the school. I mean, even people from the company, and they're like, hmm, <laughs> payphone. Um, yeah, it used to be a payphone, right? So um, I think it's a very different time, and I think having time to grow is important. So I wouldn't recommend, and I also find that sometimes when we have very young, talented kids from the school that I know the company wants then, we, we always debate on, is this the right time? Because one year doesn't make such a big difference, but can make a, a huge impact on someone's life. Yes, right here. Uh, so the question is, um, it looks like you have a mindfulness practice, and what does that mean to you? Yes, I'm a huge fan of Eckhart, totally. So he's my uh, go-to guru, should we say. Um, There's a wonderful app called um, Not So Happy or something, something Not So Perfect, Not So Happy or something like that. Um, And, you know, a very golden rule that my grandma, bless her heart, you treat others the way you want to be treated. It's very simple. It works for pretty much anything. 
So I treat the person that cleans my dressing room the same way as I say hi to Helgi. It's the same to me. Or the person that takes care of my car or parks my car or, yeah. So that's how I do it, yes. But thank you. We have time for one more question. Yes, right here. So the question is about how, a little bit of how casting is done with partners and um, what are you looking for? What do you really respect in a partner? So I don't get to pick. That's Helgi's job. He tells me and I do. So that's, that's the golden rule too. I don't go in to ask. I don't, you know, he makes the decision and I apply. Uh, what do I look for in a partner? Well, usually it's like I want to be able to have a communication and obviously there is a physical ability meaning I'm a tall mama so I need a tall guy usually especially with a tutu and long arms um, and then it's it's again you can pretty much work with everyone if you have the openness of taking in the other person as well so that's how I've, I've done it and so far it's been working fairly well all right on that note, thank you guys all so much for being here this evening, and thank you so much, Sophie-Anne. Thank you guys very much. Uh, Have a great night. Enjoy the performance this evening. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.